You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge Podcast with Kelly Henderson. Katie Gustafson is here. She is the Enneagram-informed therapist and coach that's been on the podcast a couple times. Hi, Katie. Kelly. Thank you for being back with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I always love coming to talk to you. Such a treat. We love having you on. I'm obsessed with the Enneagram and I know so many of my listeners are as well. And I initially reached out to you because it kind of dawned on me when we were going through our topic for this month, which is cobwebs about, oh my gosh, there are so many parts of the Enneagram that we don't dive into. And um, that includes the core fears. And so when I was thinking about cobwebs and just the Enneagram popped into my head because of some stuff that I was going through. And I thought, this is such an interesting take, like looking at the fears that drive or the core fears of each number and how much that actually is driving our behavior, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had texted you because, you know, I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but I've been going through some somatic therapy, which is life-changing and just crazy and such an interesting experience. But I went through a bunch of traumatic events all at the same time. And so it feels kind of crazy when you're like four years later, just being able to talk about things and work on certain things, but that's where I am. And some of it um, has to do with this public embarrassment that I had on a reality TV show that I was on. And for listeners that are new, they might be like, what? I didn't even know this about her. And you've even said like, I know you so separate from that, that it doesn't even like dawn on me. Um, but that was a part of my story and it's something that I've been working on a lot because I'm seeing how hard it's become for me to like put myself out there. Like I feel a little frozen in my public life that I never have felt before this experience. And so I started thinking about that because I was like, gosh, this was so traumatic for me. Yet I do see other people go through similar things and not really have the same reaction to it. And so I kind of started to deep dive into why it was impacting me that way. And the Enneagram was one of the main things that popped into my head because one of the core fears of the number four is being misunderstood. And that was like 
the main part of that story was there was stuff that was being said about me that wasn't true. And then the public was reacting as if and responding to me as if that was a true statement. And I just froze instead of being able to find words or talk or do anything. It completely crippled me. So it just got me thinking about this whole thing. Like how much do our core fears actually impact what we're doing on a daily basis? Totally. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that sets this conversation up just perfectly. And I feel, I feel like as, as hard as it has been for you to um, revisit some of those traumas. Yeah. You know, I always think about when I think about fear and how much it drives our behavior um, kind of steers the ship. I think about, this is going to like probably make you laugh. <laughs> do you ever see the movie Batman Begins? I do, which one was that? Long time ago or new? Bale. It's old. Okay. It's like okay. 2005, six, somewhere around there. Okay. So it kind of gives you the backstory on how he becomes Batman. Mm-hmm. And he had this, early memory of um, falling into this cave um, on his family's estate. You know, he was kind of out wandering, you know, too far. Yeah. And he falls into this cave, little, you know, little Bruce. And he goes and he, he, he kind of is like, like getting his bearings, looks, looks around. And all of the sudden he kind of, he his vision kind of narrows in on this massive wall of bats and they just start they fly all over him and it's it's totally terrifying right yeah. as a kid I'm, I'm terrible six or seven. yeah right it's so yeah. traumatic yeah uh so anyways the point of this story is that movie shows where Bruce Wayne goes back into this fear of his, he revisits the cave that he had that traumatic experience. And he, he, he purposefully, you know, when he's able to, which is years and years and years later, goes back into the cave and experiences this swarm of bats and, and the, you know, kind of the Hollywood like dramatic way he in that kind of moment really becomes Batman. Yeah. Like totally um, faces the fear and he kind faces, of embraces it. Yeah. And, yeah. In a very theatrical way, but it, it's such a good picture to kind of reverse engineer this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you work with the fear that's specific to your Enneagram type? Um, we have to go back into it mm-hmm. in a safe way. And what you just described and the work that you're doing four years later is you described going back into the fear, going back into the, that, you know, the, uh, the emotional kind of overlay of those really, really traumatizing events yeah, and doing some healing work in that space. Yeah. Um, well, and the interesting thing about that, the way you just said that is a lot of people say to me, like, why would you, you know, like, why, why would you go back into that? Like you've moved past it. You seem fine, blah, 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 blah. 
But for me, I knew I wasn't fine. Like I know that I'm not operating at a certain level that I'm capable of or as my authentic self fully because I can feel the difference. And the I just know like the only way out is through. I've just been taught that for so long and I just believe it. That's been my experience. And so if I don't go face it, like to go back to your analogy, if I don't go back in the cave, it's still there. It's just like driving me in this way that's not necessarily in my conscious mind on a day to day or, you know, minute to minute. But I want to like clear it out, like face it, clear it out and actually move forward. And that's just been the way that I've dealt with most things in my life. But people think I'm crazy. <laughs> like that looks really hard and painful and not fun. But I just think fears can drive us in this most like insane ways. Really? Yeah. It's just not worth it. I'd rather face it and be done. Well, I think what you, I mean, to me, that's the essence of courage, right? It's, it's really kind of that opposite of fear where it's like, it's not your, it's, it's not that you don't have any fear anymore. It's just that you're showing up in spite of the fear. Yeah. And that's what I've seen you do ever since I've known you is just you. keep like showing up as honestly as possible and live in integrity with yourself, uh, which does include a lot of meeting the fear and mm-hmm. moving through the fear and working yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the Enneagram numbers and the fear a little bit, but let's, let's start with why is it important to understand your fear? I mean, cause we kind of just touched on that, right? If you don't look at it. It's that thing that's looming in the shadows, but it's probably driving some of your behavior. So is that something you see a lot with any of your clients that you're talking to about this Enneagram stuff? Absolutely. You know, our personalities, the Enneagram is this dynamic kind of grand theory or system, if you will, it's a tool that we use to understand the nine core personality types in the world one of which we all gravitated to, one of which each of us gravitated to in early childhood. So, you know, the personality is wild. It's kind of this mashup of like temperament, innate qualities, coping strategies, defense mechanism, affects, and our childhood experience Mm. really helps to shape our personalities. And our personalities are protective mechanisms. Yeah. It's just a big old survival strategy for planet Earth. That's really kind of our personality becomes this kind of survival strategy that we live out of based on whatever was going on around us as little, little people. Mm. And some people had really steep staircases to climb, right? Yeah. Some of us didn't have the glaring kind of drama and trauma and chaos, but we all had, we all had a landing, no matter, you know, how gentle it was or how, how kind of ruckus it was. Like we all had one. And so, you know, our personalities are incredibly helpful tools. And so really the Enneagram teaches that, um, these personalities are defensive structures that form around a lot of times a childhood wound. And now this can be 
a literal wound. It could be a perceived wound. Okay. But we all, you know, like we come into the world and we, we are not fearful. Yeah. Like we're born into the world. We're not afraid. We're just incredibly vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but we're open and we're curious and we're just kind of, you know, live in moment to moment. It doesn't take long, however, to realize that the world that we live in and the people that are around us are, are less than perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't take long for us to kind of, kind of wake up to this fact that this, this, like, I gotta, I gotta work to get some of these needs met. And, um, it's really important for me to get the approval of others so that I can fit in and belong and feel loved and accepted. And so what is the most brilliant strategy of doing that? Our personality and how the core fear fits in that is if these defensive strategies form around series of events or childhood experiences as little people, fear is going to be really, really helpful in helping us sniff out anything that remotely smells like that old wound. Okay, wait, I have a question first, because you're talking about childhood and how that impacts our personality. So are we born a certain Enneagram number or do we kind of like come into that? Is it is it like the nature versus nurture thing? Yeah, I, I have friends in the Enneagram community that really believe we're born with our type. Okay. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's, I think it's nature nurture. I think we're definitely born with temperament, right? Yeah. I have a four-year-old kid who is the biggest extrovert I've ever met in my life, right? At four years old. And my husband and I are both pretty introverted. Like he has his own thing going on. That, that we have very little to do with, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he's definitely like, we're all born with temperament with these innate kind of qualities. But again, I think it's a mixture. Mm. It's a mixture of our early experience as people. Okay. What was happening around us, um, kind of attachment, um, this feeling of, did we have attunement? Mm-hmm. With our, you know, original caregivers, what did that look like? Yeah, um, I, I think it's both. I really, I think it's both. So, if that's the case, does some of it become amplified about these fears? Like, do we pick these kind of? Let me think of how to say what I'm trying to say. It's like I'm thinking, okay, I'm a four. Did I become a four because of some things that maybe went on in my childhood, and so then all of a sudden? Like I felt very misunderstood or whatever. So you start to kind of build your personality around these fears. Is that making sense? I don't even know how I'm, what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. No, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. Okay. 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 Yes. I think it's, it's again, it's like fours typically have a more reserved temperament. Yeah. A little bit more to themselves, um, kind of more attuned to their interior experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of temperament stuff going on, but yeah, I mean, to your point around this childhood wound of the four has a lot to do with abandonment 
and either having a perceived experience or a real experience of being abandoned and not understanding that. And so they, they make it be about something that's wrong with them. Mm, Yeah. So there's that wound. And so what do little fours do? They learn how to um, make themselves really special in the Mm. eyes of other people so that they won't be left. Mm. They won't, they won't have to relive that fear. So that's where the fear kind of kicks in. Okay. I see. Yeah. So let's go back to number one. Let's start back there. Okay. So type, um, yeah. type one, go ahead. Um, type one's basic. And again, like for anybody that's kind of new to the system, we've done episodes that they can revisit yes. probably. Yeah, multiple episodes with Katie. If you guys just put in Velvet's Edge and Katie Gustafson, which I will put in the description of this podcast so you know how to spell, but you'll see that we've done just a breakdown of Enneagram numbers and then some other stuff about some other drivers and the wings. I remember us talking a lot about that. There's a lot of layers to the Enneagram. So if you are new, you may want to go back and start with one of those. Um, but this is kind of like a deeper dive into something. I, we were saying this before. I have never heard anyone talk about the core fears in Enneagram. Like I just don't hear that talked about as much. And to me, as like, even just the example I was giving earlier, I'm starting to realize, oh, this is probably a major driver for a lot of the things that I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because again, fear is a protective emotion. Totally. And we've all developed these survival skills. Yeah. For kids, like you said. Right. So the fear is really in, in its kind of own little or organism trying to be helpful, trying to help us stay safe, you know? Yeah. And that's that fight or flight. It sounds like you, you said you froze. I was in fight or flight for a long time. And then I think, yeah, it went into freeze. And that was the thing I actually recognized more because I think I've probably been in fight or flight for a long time. (laughs) So you get, you do get a little more comfortable, you know, and as what I assumed was like overachieverness, but I actually think I was probably in flight a lot of my adult life. Just like, I've got to go. I got to go, you know, like, give me more coffee. Let me power through this. And then mm-hmm. it just got to be too much. And I f- went into freeze, which is like, well, why can't I get out of bed feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So type one's fear being bad, mm. being corrupt, and really ultimately unworthy. Um a lot of times I hear ones talk about an early experience where they were publicly humiliated mm. or embarrassed somehow, um, maybe at, at school or on the playground. Uh, and so, you know, as little improvers, you know, they really learned early on just how good it felt to do the right thing, to stay in their lane to be teacher's little helper um, to avoid any kind of situation that might kind of uh, reveal any kind of um, like unsavory part of who they are. Yeah. So they, they develop these really rigid kind of standards um, and ways of moving through the world. And, you know, in their, in their most vibrant expressions, they're really world changers, 
right? Because they are just incredibly committed to making themselves and the world around them a better place. Um, however, just this fear of being corrupt and bad and kind of found out um, is driving the show a whole lot. Um, and that really fuels that perfectionism and that inner critic that is so loud for type ones. So the one is the perfectionist. Is that the, the right name? So how do you see that manifest in people's lives? Oof, so many different ways. I mean, in in a good sense or in an unhelpful sense, like well, it, with the fear piece of it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, you know, I think, I think perfectionism is really all about fear. Yeah. It's all about fear and control, right? And control is like at the heart of control is fear. So if I, it's kind of a a little bit of a God complex. If I don't do this the right way, you know, it's not going to get done. It's all going to fall apart. Yeah. Nobody can do it like I can. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think one's, their fear kind of keeps them stuck in this inability to delegate. Um, and, and just this real hyper self-criticism and others criticism, because they're so afraid of the, just the humanity in themselves, um, that could leak out sideways and be mis misunderstood or mistaken for bad behavior, you know, so they just stay so buttoned up, which is, you know, that rigidity, I think is a byproduct of fear, fear mm-hmm. of being you know, unworthy in some, in some way. So if there are ones listening, do you have some feedback on maybe some tips to kind of get in touch with this fear that's driving them? You know, I I love using kind of the, the arrows, the lines on the Enneagram. If you look at type one, um, there's a line that points to type seven, which is where, where type ones go, um, in security. And I think mm-hmm. the seven is such a good influence for type ones because they're so playful. Right. Yeah. They're so curious and they're so in the moment and, 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 and they can, when they're healthy, right. It's the high side of that number. So I think ones can really kind of, it's, it's going to be hard to just get rid of that inner critic Um, but I think the thing that I love to encourage ones to do is to practice curiosity um, instead of, instead of self-criticism, um, to practice playing first instead of, you know, this really uh, like hyper responsibility to, to get the job done. Right. Right. Um, to really loosen that grip of their personality and relax into this kind of more curious, playful space where I think, I don't know about you, but curiosity helps me stay out of fear when I'm curious about something and move towards it a little bit more. I can um, kind of tease it out a little bit more, but if I'm so bound by, you know, fear and control that is running the show. Mm -hmm. I love that point because or one of my, I don't know if this was a therapist or a mentor back in the day told me, just stay curious, like even about my own behaviors, why I was responding certain ways to certain things. And that shift in mentality, just that tiny little 
stay curious versus like what you said, going into the self-criticism and all of that stuff, it does make everything feel a lot lighter. And then a lot of times you realize, and I would wonder if anyone's listening would resonate with this, but you do realize you don't really know how life is mapped out. Like none of us really know, you know? And so a lot of times if you set your vision to something or a certain way it's going to be, you kind of miss all the opportunities there are for greatness. So kind of staying curious versus really attaching to it has to be done. Like the rigidity. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. That's it. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Okay, let's move to the two, the caretaker. So, man, I think there's so many for it. I think twos, twos in my mind are are the type that is most simplified, oversimplified of all the types. Oh, interesting. Okay. So type twos fear being unlovable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that to me, that's the core of, um, they fear being dispensable. Mm. So, you know, early on, a lot of, I mean, I think heart types in general, twos, threes, and fours had a love need that didn't get met, but definitely type twos. Okay. 
Um, and so they spend their time and energy kind of ensuring connection with others in relationships. And this is often engineered by helping and by giving. You know, I wouldn't say that twos can be just like kind of drilled down to helpers. They're just, they just mm-hmm. want to help. They just are helping and they're just here to help with a casserole in hand at all times. Right. It's like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like twos, they're like, we all are very complex. Yeah. It's, and and so everything that they do is really focused on other people. Okay. Right? Focuses on other people. So their own personal needs and desires really get, they fall asleep to them mm-hmm. really on the back burner. Um, and they're, they're always wanting to maintain engineer this connection in relationship to people around them because this fear is driving the show that, you know, if they did have their own needs and desires, mm-hmm. and if they were really difficult and had boundaries that that might, that might turn people away. Oh, so they operate from a boundaryless giver place to earn the love that they in the place in these people yeah. in these relationships. Yeah. Okay. So how much of a two's behaviors are authentically what they want that want to do? Now I'm confused. <laughs> well, it's a good it's a really good question. I think healthy twos are really have had to do the work of learning how to set boundaries, learning how to say no, okay. learning how to spend time in solitude. Like they go to the, you know, the type four, mm-hmm. um, there's that growth path that really invites them. Like you and I, as fours, we could just sit around and drink coffee all, on our own, you know, all day long and yes. have a, a big old time, right? Best, Do, day. Best day for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think for a, for a two, that's really scary mm. to give yourself that. And so again, that's going back into the fear for them is really putting their needs first, putting their desires first, spending that time going inward mm-hmm. and, and quieting down to that voice inside um, that I think was pretty shut down early on. Mm. That's so, yeah. Okay. So that, so that, that's, that's a big kind of invitation for type twos to go against that fear. Um, you know, because I think growth, this healing work, as you, you very well know this, but I think it's such a combination of real, just, um, relentless self-compassion. Yes. And also challenging the limiting patterns that are at play mm-hmm. in our personality. Yeah. So it's like both and. We got to love ourselves into it, but there has to be a little bit of discomfort, you know, because the work is going to go against these very ingrained um, structures and patterns of behavior that we've been living out of our whole lives. Well, and like you said, if we've picked them up in childhood or they came from something that happened in childhood, it's the the story, like you've heard people say, the story in my head is... And it is, it's the story in our head, but until we even recognize that it's just a story, it's the driver of all things. Yeah. And you can't 
fully grasp, oh, there may be another story, you know, sure. like maybe this is just a fake story and I need to look at the other opportunities for a different kind of story or have someone present that to you. But stepping into that new narrative is really, really scary. Yeah, that's so well said. You you nailed it. I mean, our personalities really do become the stories that we live out of well into like middle age, right? Like, yeah. You know, but these are stories that were made up by a six-year-old. Right. So six-year-olds are really great storytellers, but they're really shitty interpreters. Right. They don't have depth of insight. They don't have context. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it's like, I see it all the time with my son. You know, if I don't get to eat this popsicle before breakfast, I might die. Like, I don't know. You're like, you're not going to (laughs) die. Fine. Let's just baby step this, you know. But, But these stories, I mean, that's a silly example, but... That's kind of an example of of some of these just wild stories that we made up as little people in order to kind of make sense of the world around us. Sure. And things that we were experiencing that were a little scary. Yeah. And it seems like very black and white type thinking, because I think that's probably as when we're younger, that is the only option, right? If this happened, then that means this. And it's just like, that's got to be it. That's the only way that my mind can wrap its head around this. And like you said, if with four would be like turn on themselves or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I think we like hold on to those narratives and then you get into adult life and it's like, oh, wait, there's a whole lot of gray happening in adult life. And if you don't learn to work with that, it can leave you feeling very stuck. Well, what happens, I think, is that these little personalities have to grow and expand to kind of facilitate the complexities of life as an adult. And they get so overgrown that we can't tell the difference between our personality mm-hmm. and our true self. That's yeah. And that's where this work, that's where the waking up happens. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes that takes a traumatic experience mm-hmm. um, in your life to like get you into therapy. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a loss. Sometimes it takes a really jarring event to kind of be that wake up call. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the threes. Threes, our neighbor, mm-hmm. um, their their fear is is failure, is being a failure. The threes and, are our achievers, right? Yeah, sorry, okay. Threes okay. are the achievers, performers. Um, but yeah, it's it's this fear of being, um, it's fear of failure, which mm-hmm. would basically render them not valuable. Okay. So early on, you know they kind of garnered this love and acceptance through their really impressive kind of achievements. Mm -hmm. As little people, they just learned how to do things just really um, at a high level early on and got so much great feedback Mm -hmm. from this that they kind of mixed up love um, with success. So, you know, they're walking around really trying to maintain this sense of value for themselves, the sense of success, but it has everything to do with what they, what they do instead of who they are. Oh, it's so interesting. I love when we go through these because, you know, as you say, the description of each one or the core fear, I'm thinking of the people in my life that have these numbers. (laughs) And if anyone out there 
is a three or knows a three. One of the things that I think I struggle with my three friends the most is I'm like, okay, you seem exhausted. You need to take a break. Like that sounds really easy to me to be like, okay, I'm overloaded. Now I have to take a break. Like those, I don't know if I would say it's easy because I struggle with that in the past, but like I can see where those two things make sense. And I watched my friends who are threes really, really struggle to lay all the things down. Like it, it, it's actually seems virtually impossible for them a lot of times, but if they're equating it to their love and value, I can see why, you know, cause they, I would think somewhere in their brain, a threes story might be something like, if I don't do this, then I lose all my love in my life. Right. It's so interesting. I just had a, um, a client earlier that, or I guess yesterday, and we were, who was a type three and, you know, it was fascinating. She was saying, you know, she has not, um, she hasn't connected to any type of passion of her own since high school Mm. because it's like she was cut off from this part of her that wanted to dream and be creative and have passion because she just was such an achiever yeah and you know coming from a family with high expectations um high standards it's like you know and this client is not old you know but like for the past 15 years, she has been living out of this drive to succeed, succeed, succeed. Well, as you can imagine, um, talk, speaking of fear, she's really hitting this place of kind of panic. Yeah. Because it, she can't do that. She, you can't maintain that. Humans not are maintainable. Not, no. Not meant to, we're not meant to maintain that. Um, it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And so, so a lot of the work with type threes is going into that fear. But what is it? What does it feel like to just be here? Mm-hmm. Terrifying for a three. They are so identified by what they do. Being a, just just sitting here as a human being is is really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's going into that fear. It's it's just slowly creeping in and saying, "I'm just gonna." I'm going to babysit this thing. I'm going to tiptoe in. Yeah. And I think that goes back to sort of what we were saying at the beginning about when people ask me, well, why would you even go do all this stuff? Like, it seems painful. It's like, you're fine, whatever. But are you, first of all? And then second of all, like, I, I think the question to always look at with this fear-driven stuff is, Yes, you can still continue to live with your fear driving you, but at what cost? Like at what cost are we letting the fear drive us by not facing it, by not sitting with ourselves? Like what kind of quality of life do we feel like we have? And is that worth it ultimately? Totally. On your de- on your deathbed, are you going to be like, gosh, I'm really glad that I, <laughs> you right. know, like what what's going to matter? I guess those are the kind of questions yeah. I've been asking myself. Yeah. Yeah. I have this little, um, crocheted it's this hilarious little thing that's framed out in the um, kitchen area of my private practice and it says deal with your shit or your shit will deal with you it's so true right you can't outrun it it's gonna come up right we sure do try though we do (laughs) and threes it's hard for threes because they they literally oftentimes they 
they're so good at what they do and they look good doing it. Yes. It's like, it's so annoying. It's, but it's, it's like, they are those people that are on the beach, you know, with their families on vacation and they've got their laptops and they've, Mm. they're on their devices and they're taking call, you know, just, it's just an extension of who they are because it's just been what it's been the water they swim in for so long. Yeah. So it's so hard to disconnect and slow, slow down mm-hmm. and move closer to that fear of what does it feel like to sit in this moment and just be? Probably who am I if I sit in this moment and just be? Totally. Yeah. All right. We've kind of touched on fours a little bit, but is there anything we've missed with the fours? You know, I think something that something that's really interesting about the four story, this wounding kind of story um, is, again, this like early, early kind of perceived experience of loss of love. Mm-hmm. So there's just something that happened. Like for me, that was I was really little. Um, my grandmother Um, I was so close to her. She was like my second mom. She lived with us. We had this just special bond. I was about four or five. She had breast cancer and she died at 58. Mm. And nobody explained it to me. I just, it's like one day she was there and then we were like playing with her wigs. And then the next day she wasn't there. And so I just was, I just felt like, oh my gosh, there's such a loss here. This this person, this larger than life, beautiful person in my life is no longer. And then that feeling of kind of introspection that we do all the time as fours is like, well, maybe, maybe I had something to do with this. Mm. You know, and so there, that's where this kind of this narrative of deficiency um, comes into play. Right. Um, And so we do, we spend a ton of time trying to reverse this, scenario by showing up as really special and, and trying to find that ideal person or relationship that will kind of repair this, this, um, broken union with love. Also, I wonder if any other fours are like me, but I am like, I always want to, if someone tells me anything about myself, I'm like, huh, is that true? And I want to, I like deep dive into every facet of myself, you know, like my friends kind of have a joke about how much self work and introspection and all of the stuff that I do. It's like, I find it fascinating, but I wonder how much of it is like an internal drive of, so I can fix myself so that I can be loved. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just a real honest, like, but. Well, and that's, it's such a comfortable place for us to Mm -hmm. sit with those kind of difficult emotions to yeah. go, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, they don't scare me at all. Like so how some people are like, I never want to feel sad. I'm like, Oh really? I don't really, I mean, it just is. I don't know. Yeah. With life beyond sadness. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I completely identify with that. It's, it's always been such a, such a like fluid space for me to be in as a client and therapy. And as a therapist, it's like, nothing shocks me, you know? Right. Like, right. <laughs> So I, I I resonate with that. Yeah. All right. Let's move to our fives. So fives, um, they fear being kind of useless and 
incompetent and helpless. Um, this drives a whole lot of their self-sufficiency. Fives are known as the investigator or the observer. And they're, they're just this type. Uh, my husband's a five and they are more at home studying and learning about any type of topic from the cosmos to technology to the animal kingdom to current events. I mean, they're just, they just kind of hoover up information um, and knowledge in order for them to feel safe and self-sufficient. And so a lot of times I hear that type fives early on, you know, had this experience of being um, neglected or either engulfed by their caregivers that Mm -hmm. they really needed in order to survive. And so they, they just kind of, in order to get by, they, they did what they could with the little they had, Mm -hmm. right. They became, they became incredibly self-sufficient. And that kind of drives a whole lot of, they're the stinginess that people experience with type fives, sometimes emotionally, um, even materialistically. Um, and, you know, it also explains why type fives are often some of the most emotionally cut off people mm. um, from themselves and from other people in relationships. So, again, they're trying to avoid the fear of kind of being helpless like they have felt early on. Um, If they have all the information themselves, then they can remain self-sufficient and not rely on anyone else. That's it. Okay. If they have all the information, all, you know, it's so funny. My husband, I joke with him all the time. He has like a backup of every single thing that we own in the house. Like he's he he has it's it's because if 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 we lose power we got to have not just one generator but two you know it's like that wow so he's always prepared he's always prepared a lot of six going on there mm-hmm. but there's just this kind of driving fear of i really cannot count on anybody but myself mm-hmm. and that's why i'm going to i'm going to learn everything um fives can spend more time alone than any other type even more than you and i as fours uh they need they need so much privacy and solitude. Um, and as a result, they end up being these incredible innovators, right? They they come up with just incredible inventions. Um, Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking, like Mark Zuckerberg, all these types of people who are, have contributed so much to our culture um, through science and technology and all the things. But fascinating people mm-hmm. and fear is, you know, in um, five, sixes and sevens kind of, they, they live in the fear triad um, or the head triad. So fear is, is even more of um, a, a, a very prominent part of their kind of defensive structure. That and is interesting. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Because I didn't know the head translated to more fear-based. That makes total sense because, and we'll move on to six with this statement, but like sixes are known to be the most fear-driven number yeah. of all of them, right? So the five, six, and seven, they operate from their head. And so that's just like what? Overanalyzing, things like that? Planning, analyzing. Okay. Um, yes. Um you know, strategizing, all of these kind of faculties that um, this the analytical mind is so um, experienced and Mm -hmm. kind of nimble with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that is their dominant intelligence center. Whereas for you and me as fours, twos, threes, and fours, really, we operate out of our heart intelligence, Mm -hmm. um, our feelings, it's kind of, it's by some people called the shame triad. I think it's sadness and grief that really kind of is the dominant emotion, the go-to emotion. And then for eights, nines, and ones, it's anger. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that anger triad that makes sense. Cause it's, it's, it's the body triad. Right. Um, so anyway, not to derail us, but yes. So sixes are kind of at the core. They're kind of the prototypical fear type of all types. Um, and, and listen, I believe that we are still around as a species because of type sixes. Okay. <laughs> you know, like they have been the ones, you know, 
if if you think about kind of this herd mentality, mm-hmm. they have been the people driving the pack. Mm-hmm. They are always on the lookout for any type of danger. Um, their their fear their fear is of being without support and guidance. Okay, right, and so they are always always looking um, to solve problems. Um, but what happens for type sixes is that they also, as good problem solvers, they become problem seekers. Oh, I love that the way you just said that. Cause I'm thinking of the sixes in my life and I'm like, but don't they create problems too? Cause I'm literally talking to them sometimes and I'm like, this isn't a problem. What are you, what? <laughs> They're like pre thinking a problem that's not even there yet. Right. Yeah. Wow. Totally. And as little people, sixes really describe being in kind of ongoing threatening situations. Okay. So a great example is like having an alcoholic parent. Yeah. And and not having like, I mean, literally having such an anxious attachment, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen when this person mm-hmm. comes home. And, you know, so, so of course there's a lot of pain around that. So, you know, sixes are just constantly looking to, depending on subtype subtypes for sixes are very, very glaringly different as are, as they are kind of with fours, but you know, they're, they're looking to create as much safety for themselves to have guidance, to have um, safety and security. Um, and they do that. If they're kind of the phobic kind of classic sixes, they go, uh, they go, they run away from the fear. Okay. And they're um, the counterphobic, which is the sexual six or the one to one six. They kind of go against the fear um, in order to feel safe and secure. What do you mean uh-huh. against it? So if you think about fight or flight, yeah, the fight mechanism is a is a is an, a, a byproduct of that fear, right? Mm. The fear is signaling, and we can either fight or we can run like hell in the other okay. direction. Yeah, yeah. So the kind of the one to one six is they are very much going against that fear. They're not afraid to fight it, um, it. but the fear is still there. Um, the social and the self-pres sixes are more in the kind of um, flee and freeze. Mm-hmm. So they kind of look more like classic sixes. Yeah. I just experience a lot of hypervigilance with my friends that are sixes. So what, like just... I'm thinking specifically of two of my friends and I want to give, be able to give them some positive like insight into this, but what would be a way for a six to lay down some of this fear? Because it's so much a part of their personality. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think a couple things. Um, I think having a spiritual practice of mm-hmm. some type, um, developing kind of this inner security, knowing that there is something out in the world that's bigger and better than me. Yeah. That that is calling the shots, whatever that higher power is. I think developing some type of faith practice, some type of spiritual practice um, that can really support them in their fear. Mm-hmm necessarily numb the fear. Um, but I also think for, for sixes, I do think what you're doing, getting into the body. Yeah. 
Because a lot of times, you know, fear, our bodies hold more memory than our thinking minds. You know, my thinking mind has been over all the stuff that I'm talking about for a while. Right. But my body can't get over it. And so then it brings it back to surface in my mind. And I can like logically go, oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. But until your body believes it, the fear is still there and it's still driving so much of your life. Totally. I think I think doing some type of body work or somatic practice is huge. Even just movement. Yeah. Getting out of the head into the body. Like mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, a lot of us do from time to time, just live from the neck up. And yeah. so really accessing the present moment, you know, we can't be anywhere else, but here, if we're really in our bodies. Sure. Um, and so I think that's huge. I think too, I mean, this sounds kind of simplistic, but I really think type sixes do really well with some type of gratitude practice. Mm, um, kind of, I like to, I like to tell my type six clients, you know, if you're going to go to worst case scenario, do me a favor and also go to best case scenario. Hmm. Just balance it out a little bit. Yeah. Write down all the bad things, but then write down the good things too. Yeah. I love that. All right. Let's go to seven. So enthusiast. Sevens. Yeah. Um, Sevens. You would not really think of as being fearful. No, not at all. I don't know. I just want to have fun. (laughs) No, they're just so bubbly and just Mm -hmm. magnetic and exuberant and um and they are that way because they're so afraid of being trapped Mm -hmm. or in pain okay so they've had to become that way um you know i think young sevens often describe a really difficult relationship with one um parental figure who is really dominating um really overbearing really stern Um, a lot of times this was, this is the maternal parent. This is the mother figure. Um, and so they kind of have this belief that this authority, this, this just dominating presence of authority, um, limits them, Mm -hmm. takes their choices away. Um, and so they, they believe that kind of authority equals limitation. So what do they do? They kind of, um, keep things really up and open. Um, growing up, they, they try to have no limitations. Mm -hmm. They try to have as many choices as possible. Um, lots of options, right? Yeah. It's funny. It's kind of why I, I wait to teach type seven, um, till the very end of any kind of like Enneagram class or talk I give because sevens, it's hard for them to sit still and listen to all the other types. They're like, okay, we just did my type. Let's go get brunch. Yeah. Or let's go do the next <laughs> like, and so they just, again, they just have the fear that's driving them is they don't want to feel trapped. Mm. They don't want to, they, you know, it's the need to avoid pain. Um, and so that's, that's what sevens do. And I think the thing that kind of that, you know, the passion of um, type seven is gluttony. Right. And so it's not necessarily about food, but it's just, it's like more is better, mm-hmm. like more options, more this, more that. Um, and so really part of the work is kind of reeling it in a little bit and learning how to sit in the present moment with whatever comes up um, and not try to reframe 
or not try to find the silver lining, but to just sit really literally to sit with this fear of being trapped, of being without options, of being in pain. But see, okay. So if I'm a seven from what you just described, I'd be like, and why would I want to do that? Like what? So why would a seven, how would it be manifesting in their life if that if they were just operating from this fear and not ever sitting, like you're talking about, like what are some ways that we would see examples of this playing out in a seven's life? They become unhinged. <laughs> Meaning they like a Britney have- Spears shave her head moment or <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh they they go off the rails. Okay. They they don't they can't commit in relationships. Mm-hmm. They can't um, finish a project at work. They don't like anyone to expect anything from them. Yeah. Um, they, you know, run through their inheritance money. <laughs> you know, they, they, whatever the thing is, you know, they just, it's like, go big or go home. Yeah. And at some point, the party's got to stop. You know, a lot of times, you know, this, the invitation for sevens is sobriety, not that, you know, sevens are all dealing with addiction necessarily, but that is a, a big way that it does manifest. I was just thinking that as you're describing it, because yeah, you just want to run. If you want to run from pain, you got to find ways to do that. So I would imagine addiction is they, a big part of sevens. And they go so fast. Yeah. I think that's the difference between sevens and nines because nines want to avoid too. Okay. Um, sevens really like they are their energy is so up they have yes. their frequency is so high but you know I think too it's like a lot of I would say really f- famous people that are have been type sevens you know somebody like Robin Williams it's kind mm-hmm. of the, the ultimate um death right yeah when you you go so hard and and you become so disconnected from the truth of who you are by making everybody laugh and deep, deep, deep depression that's happening inside that just becomes, I mean, you, you literally become, you, you're living out of two kind of two different lives Mm -hmm. Um, and they're just too polar. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, sevens oftentimes, you know, will have failed marriages, they'll have, you know, job loss, they'll have, um, you know, problems with substance, they'll, you know, just kind of have this kind of trail of flakiness, like flaky behavior in relationships. And, you know, after so much of that, you've got to kind of like bring, bring the mirror front and center and, and kind of look at, look at those blind spots that are really driving the show. If you want a fulfilling life, probably. Yeah. (laughs) I can see like, you know, that Jim Carrey moment in Dumb and Dumber where he's got his, his hands in his ears and he's like, la 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 la. Like, I don't want to listen. That's what I imagine a seven would be doing right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of my best friends is a seven and she is, she's so, it's, it's so cool because she's so, I'm so proud of her. She's doing like all of these really, she's done so much deep work throughout the yeah. years. She's like a teacher of mine, um, spiritual teacher and other, other realms too. But she, you know, she's really like 
moving to that five point of going into this place of studying this really cool new program that she's doing, getting a master's and like, she's just going in there and doing mm-hmm. the work and sitting and, you know, she's got a, a big, big, heavy load. And she's, you know, I think like a typical, like a seven who has not done their work would just be um, like dip in and out of that because, yeah. you know, it's, it's too demanding, but she, mm-hmm. So it's just such a picture of somebody who, you know, is such an evolved type seven and can really like sit in the weeds of, yeah. of life and, yeah. and hammer it out. Okay. Let's talk about eights because I find <laughs> this one to be a really fascinating number to talk about fear with, because what an eight in my interpretation of an eight, an eight would not want you to know they're scared of anything. Oh gosh. True. Yeah. So true. I mean, I think one of the words that people really kind of often use to describe eights is fearless. Mm-hmm. They just show up in the world like that. They, but they do, they do fear being weak. Mm-hmm. Um, they fear being controlled by other people. Um, you know, and a lot of kind of, a, a lot of eights describe their early um, childhood having some type of like combative um, relationship or conflict where they had to grow up super, super young. Um, I have a client who is a type eight and she, um, you know, she remembers being like seven and the, and her mom was kind of checked out and they had, she had a cousin that came to live with her who was like special needs or just really rambunctious and um behaviorally a challenge yeah and so my client remembers like and and the mom couldn't handle it the mom was like it's too much I can't peace out you know so she remembers when she was like seven or eight making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for she and her cousin to go to school with and she couldn't even see over the countertop wow so here she is filling in this kind of role as mom, as parent way before she needed to. Um, and that's, that is, that is a, that's a story that I hear and different kind of, you know, different flavors mm-hmm. across the board with eights, you know, they had yeah. to grow up way too young in order to survive. So of course they have to disconnect with vulnerability. They have to disconnect from that childhood innocence. Uh, because that would render them weak. Right. And they got to be in control, you know, and it's not that actually, let me, let me walk that one back. They don't have to be in control all the time. They just, they just don't want you to control them. If that makes sense. Like they don't always have to be the one in control. Um, They don't always have to be the controlling you. Okay. They just don't want to be controlled. So as long as it's not impacting them in any way or affecting them in any way, they don't really care. It's not kind of cornering them. And again, this is, we're talking kind of average levels of health for each of these. Right, right. So in an average kind of space, you know, type eights do not want, um, they, they just don't want to be controlled. They're not trying to control you necessarily. Maybe sometimes they are, but they just don't want to be controlled. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. All the eights that I know are highly capable. So that makes sense of like the growing up too fast. And so they had to like, maybe I'm assuming rely on themselves a lot and also become very capable in taking care of them and then other people. And the biggest struggle with my eights in my life has been this fear of vulnerability or appearing weak in any capacity. And like you mentioned earlier, their fear, though, doesn't manifest in like a same way as a six where they're hypervigilant and worrying. But when I see an eight sphere kick in, a lot of times it, to me, it comes out as anger mm-hmm. and just like attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's impulsive. Mm-hmm. Instinctual. It's that it's it's that kind of like they ha- they, you know, because their body types and they kind of overdo impact, they overdo their anger. They tend to kind of move into action without even thinking about the fear it's there yes. yeah. but they're not sitting they're not a head type that's sitting there thinking about planning and strategizing to avoid the fear they're just going against it right my mom is an eight and she always says that eights are instead of ready aim fire they're fire ready aim like they think about it in a different way you know like and that's been my experience is that if an eight is triggered 
they go into attack mode without really thinking about all of the other things, or even like, Hey, maybe this is fear driving me (laughs) or not reality. You know, like if it feels real to them, if the threat is real, they are reacting unless they get to a healthier place. But yes, it seems to be the case. Well, and a lot of people, you know, think of type eights as um, protectors. Mm -hmm. So if if it's not self-protection, it's others protection. So there's a lot, I mean, I think eights are just fierce protectors. Yeah. So if there is injustice or something happening, like they are, they are on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Just like your mom said, you know, it's, they're there. They're, 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 they're already there. You know, they're not sitting back there trying to figure out the best plan of attack. They're just already there. Right. Um, and yeah, like you said, they're, they have more energy than any other type. Mm-hmm. They're tireless people. Um, but you know, you can only run from vulnerability so long. Like it's well, that was, I was just going to ask that question because when you said they're, they have the most energy, the immediate thought that I had was, um, again, I'm talking about my mom who she is a very, she's done a lot of work on herself. So we're, we're able to talk about kind of these things because as a four and an eight, she and I butted heads a lot with me growing up. Cause we're so different and the fours we are such feelers, right? Like I can get into every emotion and I can feel it really deeply. And an eight kind of might struggle there. And then my mom, when she retired, was um, kind of just facing like that life change thing. There was a lot of grief. She's been in her position a long time, all the people she was leaving. And she said to me, oh my gosh, I am so exhausted after this week of like, going through these retirement celebrations and all this stuff. And she was like, is this what you feel like all the time? And I thought, yes, that is it. Cause I'm carrying not only like my feelings, but others feelings, you know, as well. But I'd wondered how much of an eights energy is because they're shut off from their vulnerability. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. I love that story. I think their energy a lot of times comes um, I, th- I mean, I think too, they're, they're the doers of the Enneagram, their body types. Right. A lot of this is kind of almost like wiring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their makeup. Um, but they, you know, they had to move into action from such an early age. So their mm-hmm. tolerance is a little bit bigger than the Higher. rest. Yeah. And they're used to such a high level of, you know, because it's, imp- it's all about impact Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about kind of challenging the system that takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of effort. Uh, and you know, for whatever reason, I do believe that there's something to that as a body type, they are just, their energy is, is relentless. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's a great point, you know, not going into deep emotions of sadness and fear and, um, shame and guilt. I mean, that, that does free up a hell of a lot of energy to go yes. do all things. I mean, to yeah. your point. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. All right. Let's wrap this up and talk about our nines, the peacemakers. So nines, um, nines are a lot like twos, uh, in many ways, but, um, definitely in their fear. It's, it's all about this loss of connection. Um, it's a fear of loss that would kind of manifest in disconnection and relationship. 
Um, they had this early, um, interestingly enough, this early experience where their opinions didn't matter, mm-hmm. or they weren't heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps there were siblings who were a lot louder or more opinionated um, or m- more fiery. And, and so, you know, they learned to, to regulate and to keep calm. They had to go along with what everybody else wanted to do mm-hmm. in order. And that was kind of their survival because their MO, it's all about like, let's keep the peace. Right. Peace. And there's not peace around me. So in order to have peace, to order to be connected in relationship, um, I have got to keep the peace. And so I am going to deny myself my own agenda and just merge with the agenda of other people. Um, And that, you know, that fear of loss and disconnection is really kind of manifests in there's this word indolence. Um, it's kind of the fixation of type nines. And it basically, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm fine. Oh yeah, it's good. We're good. Life is good. You know, oh, we don't, we, we, we don't, we don't really need to, to, to talk about that. It's, it's, you know, let's just, you know, kind of the self-deprecating mm. energy that kind of downplays everything. Are they even in touch with what they're feeling or are they just trying to get out of that? Like, does that make sense? A lot of times, no. Okay. Um, Emotions, you know, the fear, the fear is driving the show of, you know, this, the fear of loss or disconnection. um, It shows up in the passion. It kind of, it's, it manifests in this pattern of laziness. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily physical laziness, but it is, you know, when energy, when the energy is on everybody else and the house and the dog and the, you know, the the schedule and, you know, the trip, they are full throttle. Yeah. But when the energy and the focus, when the focus of attention comes back to the nine, when they are the focus of attention, their energy goes way down. Mm-hmm. That's where some of that laziness comes in. Um, it's, it's, and, and, you know, they grow up with this belief that, you know, their presence doesn't matter. Everyone else's presence is, is louder, you know, it's like, so sometimes they have a lot of trouble kind of finding their own voice. Um, because if they were to voice their own opinion, um, or have a strong opinion that might, that might result in disconnection in relationship. So that's their main fear is being disconnected in the relationship. So they will just almost become not a human in the way of like, there's feelings and opinions and all the things just to keep the peace so that they can stay in the relationship. Okay. Yeah. A lot of type nines, I see stay in long-term relationships way past the expiration date. Yeah. They're so afraid that they're going to hurt the other person. By leaving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what for type nines, like what tips would you have with this stuff? Because the nines that I know, I find it, it's almost crippling to them to 
step outside of the sphere and they just don't want to at all. Yeah. Well, doing self-work is really important for type nines. Okay. Bringing the focus of attention. Oh, because then they have to look at themselves, right? I see. And it's, you know, there are some nines that it's hard. It's, it's a, it's a long road in therapy because you have to acclimate them to their kind of interior space, right? Because their energy is just like merging all over the place Mm. with other people. Yeah. And so really connecting them to what do they need? Yeah. What do they want? You know, sometimes the hardest question for type nine is, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's like, oh, um, hmm. I think I'm okay. You right. know, it's like, <laughs> they're, they're just, their focus is on, on, on others all the time. And so I think, yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you know, again, it's bringing, it's bringing the focus of attention back to themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and it's taking action. I think, you know, that for a type nine, uh, it doesn't have to be massive action, <laughs> but it has to be um, some type of small action in the right direction. Mm. Otherwise they just kind of numb out in order to just, cause they fall asleep to their own agenda. Yeah. It's all about other people's agendas. So, you know, like I always let my type nine friends pick the place that we're going to go eat dinner, you know, because otherwise they'd just be like, oh, whatever's fine. I'm good with whatever. No, really. No, it's your, yeah. Like you pick the place. We're doing this. You know, that can be really hard, but it can be a good exercise for type nines. Oh, isn't it true about type nines that they mistype pretty often? Like if for a known nines to be like, the one who has tested as multiple different types. And then someone's finally like, no, you're a nine. (laughs) Totally. But nines are so out of touch with themselves, maybe in their own feelings that that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's, I think that's pretty true. Um, I mean, I I see so many people mistyped walking around mistyped because they've just taken a free test online. They haven't done the self work to really verify it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I I see so many people mistyped anyway, but definitely yeah. minds because it's, you know, they just and two, because they're very open, kind of curious people. Like they're like, yeah. oh, that could be true. And that could be true. Like they kind right. of like they're also called the mediators. So they can they can see all the sides. Yeah. So sometimes it can take them a little bit longer to really know their definitive type. I think mm-hmm. you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, this is fascinating to me. So if you guys have any more questions about the core fears, Katie, where is a good place for people to reach out to you? Um, a good place is my website, probably katiegustafson.co. Uh, probably Instagram is where I interact the most in terms of social media. Yeah bad at all the others, but I, I stay pretty <laughs> consistent on Instagram. Um, and then I have an, an online membership platform called the practice and it is an Enneagram based self-care toolkit that is all about helping you learn more about yourself, have more compassion for yourself and put the Enneagram 
into practice through really specific self-care practices for your type. I love that. I will put all that info in the description of this podcast for you guys. Go check out Katie's page, Instagram, the practice, all of the things. Katie, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, friend. This has been fun. You know, I could talk about this forever. I know, me too. We're such Enneagram nerds, aren't we? (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.